listening to the Code Red Net podcast. again to the Code Red Net podcast. I'm Thrasher. I'm Chicken Man. And today is our third podcast. We are talking about martial arts movies. And uh, what do you think about martial arts movies? Why do we like them so much? Well, according to the Wikipedia definition, they are a subgenre of the action film genre. Now, I don't know how many subgenres there are, but uh, Code Red Net, we're pretty much into action films. And so it just seems fitting that we would like martial arts movies. Yeah, it, there are plenty of uh, little subsets about of uh, different types of action movies. One of the things that I always think is really interesting, and I come from the discipline of film studies, is that there is so little uh, scholarship, any kind of scholarly material, theoretical material on action films, or, and especially martial arts movies, that it just seems like some kind of a critical establishment doesn't have any respect for action movies and, and the kind of movies they are. That's why I think it's good that we do a podcast about martial arts movies and try to clarify what they are and what we like about them because there's so little coverage of them in any kind of real theoretical context. Are there any other genres that uh, film scholarship shies away from? I mean, I, off the top of my head, not a ton. I mean, it depends what we mean by, by genre, but, you know, there's westerns are very well covered. Uh, musicals are very well covered. Not a surprise that both of them aren't very popular anymore. I mean, once something really starts to die out, then it's very easy to theorize it because you have the entire history to look at, and you can very clearly, you know, state what it is and what it isn't. And there's so very few westerns and musicals these days anyway. Uh, action movies, though, keep changing... I think that's probably why there's so little. I think part of it, too, has to be some kind of, like, taste, uh, matters of taste, like tastemakers and stuff, that a lot of people that are involved on that scholarly level and that and that theoretical level don't watch action movies. You know, they're very into, you know, foreign films and independent films, stuff that require a lot of, um, that, that are in a different level, different social level, and they seem to have a higher level of taste than just going to, like, your average multiplex and watching an action movie, which seems like something that's what the peons do. And I think martial arts movies are like that, too, because they come, martial arts movies generally come to us from overseas, like from Hong Kong or, or Thailand or China, and when they come here, those movies there are big blockbusters, and here they don't do nearly as well. And when you bring something over from a foreign country, it can kind of they buy it kind of cheaply and then put it on like TV late at night, which is where a lot of martial arts movies became popular. And I think I think something about that the way like that kind of matter of taste that's why there's not a big theoretical discussion about action movies. Very interesting. Yeah, and. Uh, so, but if we want to say what a martial arts movie is, that subgenre, what what is it? What qualifies a movie to be a martial arts movie? Definitely needs to have fights, and part of the emphasis should be on plural. You know, we were talking about Rocky; he trains to fight, but there's only one big fight at the end. Really, in martial arts films, you will see fights throughout the entire movie, mm-hmm. yeah. and that that is their primary appeal. You know. Yeah, the fights, watch fights. The fights have to be 
foregrounded. Like in Rocky, it's a big fight at the end, but again, like you said, it has to be throughout, and it also has to be the main, I think the fights have to be the main way that you get stuff settled. You know what I mean? Like in Rocky, he solves some of his personal problems by like getting a girlfriend and you know what I mean? Like doing other stuff like that. In a martial arts movie, everything's settled and all the major issues are tackled during the fight. And like new problems will arise because of the fight. You know what I mean? Everything's motivated by the different fights that happen. And I think that's how the stories are all built around the fights. And that's one of the major questions that we talked about too. Uh, before is, is how important is a story to a martial arts movie like for me when I watch a martial arts movie the, the story is again like we talked about foregrounding the fights I think a story is, is the last thing that is usually on my mind when I decide whether I want to watch a martial arts movie or not right feel like it's not too much part of the appeal of the movie is the story but I still find that it's important it's not like well, to make a comparison, like a pornographic film where the story is just something between the scenes, like the fight scenes, the action scenes that you want to watch. Right. So it's above that in terms of importance, but um, definitely less important than most other genres. Right. And I think one of the major things that you need to keep in mind about action movies and the stories they have is that they come across, and everyone always says that they're very derivative, that it's pretty much always the same the same story, which more or less could be said about a lot of movies. I mean, a lot of movies basically have the same story, no matter what, just with little slight variations on it. I think an action movie especially needs to have a story, needs to have stories that are very similar, and it needs to rely on archetypes and things of that nature, because, um, again, that the action is foregrounded. So if people are going to see a movie with fight scenes, and that's what they want to see, you don't want them to have to sit through long stretches of dialogue or other things. That's not what they're there for. If they're there to see your movie for a very specific reason, you have to try to satisfy them. Otherwise, they'll just get up and leave. And I think also when you have an action movie, the stories need to be simple because nobody goes to those movies for like a mystery or some kind of um, unique way of storytelling that they just want to get to the fight. And if you can give them a decent story that's reliable and that's been time tested, that's probably for the best. Right, absolutely. I mean, I'll probably talk about it a little bit later, but um, it's the Ong Bak series. The first uh, installment in it, relatively easy to follow, and the action scenes are great. However, in the sequels, it became a period piece in the history of Thailand with very complex stories that were hard for me to follow. And that really turns you off trying to watch a martial arts movie. Right, and that's that's a good point because... When you watch a movie, and it's Oing Bak 2, so it's a sequel, we know what, we have an expectation that we want to be met from Tony Ja in that movie, and then you watch the beginning of that movie, like I did the first 20 minutes, and then I turned it off because I thought it was boring. Those expectations need to be met, and calling it Oing Bak 2 gives us the expectation that there's going to be more of the same we saw from the first one, and they did not meet that, at least in the first 20 minutes. And 20 minutes is basically, in film theory, we talk about 20 minutes is basically like your hook. Like you, as an audience member, most audience members can stand something for 20 minutes before they decide, no, I don't want to finish this, this isn't good. And that's exactly what happened to me. And, you know, it's all about expectations. If you don't meet people's expectations and the associations they have with certain stars, the movie's not going to fare very well. But uh, you mentioned uh, Oing Bak, which had some great fight scenes. What do you think makes for a good fight scene? What makes it very appealing? Um, I'd say part of what makes Tony Jaa really appealing is how he can demonstrate his physical talent. Yeah. It's pretty crazy what the guy can do. Right. 
And I'd say another thing that's appealing is making it somewhat stylized yet still plausible um, in different types of fight scenes where it just seems a bit ridiculous. If this is what comes to the top of my mind is like the scene in the second Matrix movie where Neo's fighting all those agents and it just gets a bit ridiculous. I'm like, that doesn't appeal to me. So if you can make it somewhat plausible and stylized and that it demonstrates really the talents of the actor, I'd say those are the things that are most important to me. Yeah, no, I mean, and that, that even goes back all the way to like Aristotle he said that you know action in movies or action in, in a drama <laughs> of any kind he said that it needed to be plausible and probable so that it not only could happen but it seems inevitable that it will and I think in action movies if you just have two guys walk in and they start fighting that doesn't this is where the role of story really plays a big part because if it's just two guys fighting that's just like watching MMA or something you know what I mean like they're just fighting because they're scheduled to fight but in a movie that needs to be a good motivation so it needs to be like somebody stole something or somebody lost their honor or whatever the case may be and that's the reason why they fight and I think you made a good point about like Tony Jaa like what he can do like there's something about human nature or whatever that we enjoy watching people who are really good at something. Watching somebody very talented has always, you know, been something that we like to do. And watching him and his ability and, like, his athleticism, that's his appeal because he's so insanely talented at, and can do crazy things with his body that that's, that's his appeal. And not only that, not only that, but also he has, I think, maybe it's not necessarily Tony job, but maybe this is more Jackie Chan, but I enjoy watching how inventive they get. That you could take, it's just two guys fighting, but you could have endless repetition of it based just on, like, where they are and, uh, like, the stuff that's around them and what they're even, like, wearing. It can all change what the fight turns out to be. Oh, I'm, you can totally see that in so many different Jackie Chan films. I mean, one of the most popular examples being in Jackie Chan's first strike with the latter, of course. That you know, It's pretty crazy to imagine what must go on in his mind as he's envisioning a fight scene that looks at the environment and looks at the objects around him and what can he do with these. Right. To make it interesting and yet even still still plausible yep and like i told you before like i watched accidental spy that's jackie chan movie from like 2001 i think and i watched that a few days ago and he had that fight scene in the uh, turkish bath which was great it's probably the highlight of the movie and it's great because the whole fight's built around what he's wearing because he's basically just wearing uh, a towel right because he's in this bath and the bad guys keep fighting him and he's got to not only fight them but he also has to make sure that he covers himself up you know because he doesn't want to be naked in front of everybody um and i i find that really was a good one i think jackie chan is in a way better than tony ja at that he's better at selling the psychology of a fight and selling like the story of the movie so far and capturing it in that little tiny fight so that you get a better sense of like what he's trying to do and what he's doing i think tony ja is amazing physically but he doesn't quite capture that same idea of the story that jackie chan does right I think so far with Tony Jaa, well, he hasn't had a whole lot of, definitely not as many movies as Jackie Chan, to see different psychologies and motivations he might have. Thinking of his two best ones that I've seen, both The First Ong Bak and The Protector, his motivations in both those films were basically the same, where he was supposed to be the protector of something in a village, and somebody stole it, and he has to get it back. So... When he's fighting, you kind of feel the single-mindedness 
that he just wants to get that object or elephant in the protector back. And beyond that, I mean, you don't really see different psychologies. I know there's a part in Ang Bak where he's supposed to throw a fight, and it, you, have, you haven't really seen a lot of variety from Tony Jaa yet. No, and you know, that's a good point you bring up about that part where he throws the fight in uh, Ang Bak. I didn't pick that up right away. I really thought he just got beat up, and I don't know if that was intentional, if that was part of the movie, like they wanted you to believe that he really uh, got beat up, but I didn't get from his body language or from any of the parts of the film that he was throwing a fight. I really thought that guy just, just outclassed him and beat him. Yeah, you know, I I thought the same exact thing. And I think I think if that would have been Jackie Chan in that scene, it would have been... It would have, well, first of all, it would have been goofier, and it would have been humorous, <laughs> but you would have also been able to very clearly understand that he was throwing the fight, and you could you'd probably... It'd be very transparent that he was throwing it. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so if we talk about fight scenes, what do you? How long do you think a good fight scene lasts? I mean, it varies quite a bit. It varies quite a bit depending on region and country too. But in your mind, what? How long should a good fight scene last, beginning to end? So you ask him how long should it be, or what my personal preference is? Yeah, like what when you watch a good fight scene, how long before you start getting bored or it becomes tedious? Oh. See, I'm thinking of the one of the final fight scenes in Who Am I with Jackie Chan as he's fighting on a roof. That is probably close to the maximum length I think a fight scene should be. Like, how long do you think that scene was? I think, if I remember right, the YouTube video, I, I watched it a couple of days ago, I think it's like seven or eight minutes, start to finish. Yeah, I think that's probably close to the limit, and th- that was a very fitting fight scene, I think. Yeah, and that's a good... That fight scene is a pretty good example of how to do a longer fight scene because there's pauses in between. You remember, like, they're fighting on the rooftop and then they'll stop for a little bit, maybe, like, not very long, 20 seconds or something. But just a little something to breathe because you, you're watching so much action, you need a little space to pause. And if you watch, like, uh, a boxing match or an MMA fight, you see they'll get fairly winded within just a few minutes. And so, you know, anything longer than eight minutes is kind of pretty much superhuman or kind of unbelievable as far as a fight scene goes. I think the more, I mean, it depends, again, like, regionally it'll depend. I think if you compare, like, Jackie Chan movies, I think a lot of times they'll go three or five minutes, something in there. Like you said, eight's probably the max. But if you watch something like one of his American movies, like Rush Hour or Rush Hour 2, those fight scenes are very short. A minute, maybe two, for the most part. There's a, there's more. There's, it's not like there's just one. Like we said, there needs to be several for it to be a martial arts movie. But they're not very long. Like His fight scenes in Rush Hour 2 are very short. Right, and I think that has to do something with making it more palatable to an American audience. Yeah, no, definitely. And that, that's something we need to talk about, too, is, is these martial arts movies, and Jackie Chan's probably the best example of this, um, how they how he changes his style and his presentation depending on where he is. So, like, I would say Who Am I is probably on the far end of being towards Jack, hardcore Jackie Chan fans or martial arts fans because those movies have, like you said, the seven or eight minute, um, fight scene, which is not something that I think most audiences can can handle, at least mainstream audiences. And then Rush Hour 2 is on the far left side of the spectrum, where it's more more comedy-based than, than fight-based than action. And I, I think that goes for a lot of his movies. That goes for Shanghai Noon, Shanghai Nights too. Although I have to say, Shanghai Nights has one of my favorite fight scenes ever in any movie, mostly because I'm just a film nerd, but that thing where he does the singing in the rain bit when he's fighting those guys, that is really good. 
That is fantastic. Like, I've never seen a movie do an allusion to, like, another movie that was quite that inspired. I like that a lot. <laughs> I really did. And then they even bring, brought it in on the soundtrack, and I, I love that. I thought that was great. Uh, yeah, I mean, Jackie's so versatile yeah. in what he can make a fight scene. Yeah, I think in one of his commentaries, he talks about it as, like, comparing it to dancing, almost. Yeah. And, well, it's interesting. He's... He's very, like, you compared martial arts movies earlier to, um, porn. <laughs> Forgive which, me for that. No, 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 that's a good, it's a good comparison. I, a lot of times I think of them, and, you know, you hear about Jackie Chan being compared to Buster Keaton, silent movie star, right? I think that's a good comparison. I think a lot of martial arts movies are very much like silent films. In a way, I mean, obviously they're not silent, but... Their appeal is the same. Like if you study film history, there is a very strong cross-cultural appeal for um, silent movies because you don't have any language problems, right? It's all just what people can physically do. There's inner titles, but those are very easy to change depending on you know what other languages are being used. And I think Jackie Chan is very popular all over the world, not just English or um, Chinese, but also everywhere else, because his, he's, he communicates through his body and what he can do with his face and what he can do with his martial arts. And so I think that's part of the appeal of martial arts, is, is that they're very easy to communicate because it's based on what they can do and fight, not verbal. Which is, and when, I think the worst Jackie Chan movies are the ones that make him do verbal, verbal stuff. Yeah, I'm... I guess I'm thinking of the movies where they try to make him seem more, well, I guess the more dramatic Jackie Chan films are the ones where I get kind of turned off, eh, or the ones where it's just too plain goofy. Right. So less talking and more fighting usually leads to a better outcome. Right. And that's what we were saying earlier about, you know, expectations. Like, you go to a Jackie Chan movie because you expect it to be filled with action, and if you get, if you're met there with a bunch of drama and dialogue, just not a good experience. I think of the tuxedo a lot is probably the one that I is that comes to mind very quickly because it's very much that whole movie is based on a lot of the humor of that movie is verbal and yeah. Jackie Chan is not uh, he's not you know he he, ha he speaks decent English. It's not that bad. It's just that he's much better at physical comedy than he is at verbal comedy like puns and stuff. Yeah. And I think that's where tuxedo fails. Yeah, I mean he can be funny. I mean, oh yeah. From dialogue, but I think another thing about that movie, which I think was its biggest detractor, is that it's not about, you know, it, since we were talking about physical abilities, it detracted from Jackie Chan's physical abilities and attributed them to this outfit, this tuxedo. And I feel like that was another big problem with that movie. Yeah, same problem I had with uh, the medallion. Again, yeah. like the tuxedo, right? He got he gets his powers from the tuxedo and that one, and medallion he gets his powers from medallion, and that it just seems like such a waste to me. And that, but then they pump it up with special effects, and you know, at least in the tuxedo, the tuxedo gave him powers, but then it was like, oh, he's just Jackie Chan now. But in in the medallion, they give him special effects, and he's jumping up buildings, and like he's being like doing wire stunts and stuff like that. And the wire stunts were ludicrous because there's things, those are things that Jack Chen actually can do. Like, he could jump over a dumpster. Can't do that much. But then they have him, like, they use wires and he just flies over it. And it was just so stupid. And that do you was, want to comment on, like, wire work in general? Sure. I mean, it, in some ways it's a different genre in, in like, in action movies because, um, like, even Jet Li, I've heard him talk about this, like, the, 
kind of wushu movies he does, like Fearless and uh, Hero and stuff like that. They have a lot of wires fun, but they're not... In that case, I don't think they're like a replacement for like regular martial arts. He makes regular martial arts movies, and then he makes movies that have a lot of wire stunts in them. And I mean, and I don't really like the wire stunt stuff myself, but yeah, I don't either. Because again, what I was saying, really appealing to me is focusing on an actor's abilities and also the plausibility, and those kind of both go out the window with wire work. Yeah, yeah. I- and it seems, again, like you said, it seems weird that you'd want to give wire work to somebody that doesn't really need it, that's physically gifted enough to be good, you know, you could give wire work to somebody that doesn't need, uh, that isn't capable of the same thing that Jackie Chan and Jet Li is capable of. And that's why my problems with Medallion, I just, I wrote on the blog about it, I don't understand why you would have all these special effects and when you got Jackie Chan. I mean, I think I wrote something like, that Jackie Chan is your special effects budget. Like, you pay a salary... <laughs> That was a great line. And that's, that's your special effect. Because he is a special effect. That's his whole appeal, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't go there to see anything else. You can't go to see what he's capable of. So it's comparable to, like, you know, like a, a blockbuster movie with, like, Prometheus, which I saw a few days ago, that has all these great special effects. Like, that's where, that's where Jackie Chan's role would be. I mean, he's not in that movie, but you know what I'm saying. He, that, he's the special effect of whatever ever movie he's in. And that's what's great about him. He's not only the star, he's also the spectacle as well. Okay, so how about when we talk about these fight scenes and these movies and these movies in general, I want to talk about the cinematography of them and how they're presented to us because it's very different from usual. I think a lot of times, especially in Jackie Chan movies but and Jet Li movies too, you see a lot of uh, wide-angle lenses that are being used, and you can always tell. So if you watch the sides of the of the screen, if you notice like the objects in the in the room, like lamp poles or whatever, are kind of bent, you can tell it's a wide screen. They're using a very wide-angle lens, and they do that because wide-angle lenses exaggerate movement. So if you throw a punch, it makes the punch seem bigger and reach farther just by a trick of the lens. And you see that in all kinds of martial arts movies. Like uh, Ong Bak had a lot of it, I noticed. All of Jackie Chan's movies have it to some degree. And I noticed Jet Li has plenty of it. That's one of the major features that you have in any action movie. That and you get a lot of um, long shots or long takes so that you don't get any editing in between so you get the full fight or at least the full exchange between two actors and you can appreciate what they're doing without being edited so you don't think it's phony. That and you also get um, plenty of long shots so instead of getting really really close to the actors and getting like their head and shoulders up you get plenty of distance so usually we'll see them from like the knee up maybe even uh the foot down to like a full shot so you can see how their whole body works which is what i appreciate i think some new action movies and my example is like transporter 3 is they go in for a lot of close shots of Jason Statham fighting, which I don't think works because, you know, in order to fully appreciate how he is doing what he's doing, I want to be able to see the full scene so I can understand how he's moving his body in relation to the guys he's fighting. Right. I mean, a punch is not just an arm movement. Right. It's a whole body chemistry issue. And I think editing is becoming one of my biggest pet peeves in, like, action movies. I think they, they just chop it up so much, and they go for, if you if you cut really, really fast, and you edit the scene down so it has so many cuts in between, you get a, it's exciting in a kind of visceral way so that you're sitting there the whole time trying to figure out what's going on and coming at you so fast that it is exciting, but you don't really appreciate it later because you sit back and you kind of wonder, like, what just happened. 
you just get kind of music and sound effects and you get little flashes of images. And I, I think the Bourne movies do this probably worse than anybody else. And you can't really understand like how this relationship to like the objects around him because it's going so fast that you can't ever really understand it. So, I mean, in, in some cases, can this be, I mean, what's intended? Like, I guess I'm thinking of the one of the fight scenes from Batman Begins where he's at some harbor and he's fighting these guys among some shipping containers and there's a lot of cutting you really can't see him fight these guys oh yeah it's just those little flashes and then you see oh are you, are you talking about when he like they're like standing in front of like docks or whatever and and he just kind of grabs them real quick yeah oh yeah no that makes and then sense he's fighting him. among a group of them yeah after, no yeah. I can understand that. That one actually works because the style of the movie and the editing is communicating, like, their feelings to you. Like, it happens so suddenly they don't even know what happened. And I think in that sense it works. In in some of, like, like Transporter 3, I don't think it works quite as well because it's not motivated in the same way. And, again, like, we go back to expectations and you want to be able to see the fight. And I think the editing is making it very hard to be able to understand and appreciate what's going on. And it doesn't have a story reason. So it's actually getting directly in the way of what is appealing about those movies, or what should be appealing about them. Okay, so we talked about we talked about some of our favorites. We mentioned Jackie Chan and Jet Li and Jason Statham. Which one is which one do you? Which are some of your favorites? I mean, we obviously like Jackie Chan a lot. Yes, we do. What do we like about him? Well, say one of Jackie Chan's biggest uh, things going for him is his creativity, obviously, and his. He's definitely more comedic than any other martial arts star. I always compare him directly to uh, to Jet Li. Jet Li is very much like, you know, Jackie Chan seems PG to me and Jet Li seems R. Uh, Jet Li's movies are always much more adult-oriented. I mean, even going back to, like, what's that movie he does with BMX, Cradle to the Grave, right? Mm-hmm. That's totally, I mean, you'd never see Jackie Chan in that role. It's totally. No, yeah, I'm just seeing Jackie Chan driving his car listening to gangster rap. No, no, definitely not. In fact, that's actually interesting because if you see Jackie Chan listening to music in any of his movies or singing like he does, it's always something like really goofy, like Beach Boys. Beach Boys. Beach Boys, yeah. Or, um, the weird thing is, yeah, P. Diddy or like, he's very, his, he actually is, I've read, he's actually a very good singer. Like, he's classically trained, like, vocal singer. So, he can't sing, so. And I think the music's just one that kind of is just like one little way of telling like what kind of uh, movies they make. Like Jackie Chan is very slapstick, so those comparisons to like Buster Keaton silent movies are very appropriate because that's what those movies are like too. They're very slapstick heavy physical comedy. But I think I think Jackie Chan though again is is the best. I think he's probably the best ever in, in martial arts movies because he's better at communicating what's going on in his fights and how he's how he's feeling or like whatever story had come up to that point, he's really good at communicating that and selling the story within the fight. Better than anybody else, I think. But, I mean, Jet Li, what do we, what about Jet Li? What do we think of Jet Li? Oh, well, I can definitely appreciate more of the technical aspects, I think, of his fighting. Um, he is, yeah, in comparison to Jackie, very brutal, as you've said. And sometimes this can be pretty appealing. I mean, he mm-hmm. seems like a serious fighter and it is thinking it was in that dmx movie where he is ends up in an underground cage and he's fighting these mma fighters that definitely outweigh him and it's we still have a confidence in jet Li, even though of his small physical stature that he's still a formidable fighter and that's definitely appealing yeah i think that's very true what do you think i think 
Well, yeah, like you said, that fight. I, I remember that fight you were talking about in the in the cage, and and he uh, he had a lot. Of, like he broke a lot of bones, if I remember. I think I remember him like stepping on people's arms, and they go the opposite way. You know, it's pretty gross. And he definitely. Like, you would never see Jackie Chan do that, um, or very rarely. I yeah, I think yeah, you're right about uh, Jet Li. He's more technical. The moves are a little bit. Uh, it's more focused on on the technical aspects of his wushu or of his martial arts, and I think that's his appeal. I think the comparison or like the analogy I would use is like if Jackie, if Jet Li is more like an MMA fighter, where it's more about what he can physically do, I think Jackie Chan's more like a pro wrestler. <laughs> I, that's that's the analogy I would use uh, because Jackie Chan's more goofy. It's more exaggerated. It's obviously um, to some degree. It's more clearly choreographed, like wrestling is. And then Jet Li, like an MMA, where it's more about legitimacy and what he actually can do and how real it is. But besides those two, I mean, I think those two are probably the heavyweights in terms of popularity in martial arts movies, especially in the 90s and 2000s. But we talk a lot about Jason Statham a lot. I think he's a pretty big martial arts star in his own right. Although I think he has he has far more um, crossover appeal to other movies besides martial arts movies. And I think that has a lot to do with his with his speaking ability. I think I think his, his ability to use English is probably one of the main reasons why he can do non martial arts stuff. I mean he doesn't really do anything besides action movies though. And I'm still waiting for him to be in a romantic comedy one of these days. If nobody does I'll write it but I feel like I could see it. I know. I think it actually would be funny, and I think one day he probably will do something like that, just because you know, you know what I mean. Like somebody does something so long, and they get like a an image, like a star image, and that their association is he's an action star. Eventually, in order to make it fresh, he's gonna have to do something goofy, and then he'll do something like a romantic comedy, and then bounce back and do another action movie. Mm -hmm. Stars are always looking for stuff like that. Like you know, um, you know what's that girl's name? Zooey Deschanel, right? Yeah. And she always plays like the cute girl that's like kind of weird. One day, I know, I know, in in about five years, she's gonna do a movie. She's gonna be a serial killer. I know it. (laughs) Like. it's going to happen because eventually everyone's going to get sick of seeing her do that. And in order to make herself fresh and new again and marketable, she's going to do something outrageous. Yeah, like a like a black swan, I want to see. Yeah, or something like that. Maybe she won't be a serial killer. That might be extreme, but something like that. She's going to be like a like a vengeful girlfriend or something. You know what I mean? Like, she's going to do something. <laughs> so... We thought, but okay. So Jason Statham. What about him that we like about with his martial arts? He's not really a classical martial artist, right? Right. No, I guess I'm trying to think of things that are definitive about his fighting style. And I think one of the things that's interesting is that a lot of times, like in the transport movies, he uses the same stunt choreographers that Jet Li and Jackie Chan do. And so you see a lot of similarities in their fights. But he's clearly not. I mean, he can throw kicks, and he he must have some training in martial arts of some kind or another, but he definitely doesn't have the same ability. So the movies tailor themselves more to more to him. He, he's even more brutal, I think, than Jet Li is in a lot of ways. He's more straight. Yeah, let's um, say, definitely looking at the Transporter movies, it does get quite stylized. I think kind of pushing the limits of that as far as you know, plausibility goes. Like, you know, in Transporter 2, he gets pretty fancy with a fire hose. Right. Or even, I do like the fight scene in the first Transporter where he's, I think he's in a, like a subway train and he's kind of using the handlebars and the seats to maneuver around and he gets pretty flashy with the knife as well. And so they're definitely quite 
stylized. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think um, besides him, I mean, we're, we were talking about the uh, who would be like the next guy because Jet Li and Jackie Chan are pretty old now, and they're yeah, definitely right. in the twilight of their career. I think you know one of the hopes that people had for a while was that Tony Jaw would be the next big star. And in a way, he kind of is, but he definitely hasn't followed up Oing Bach or The Protector with the series of movies that, like, Jet Li and Jackie Chan have. Right. I don't think he's really made something that can go, like, mainstream American audience yeah. yet. And I feel like that might be important. Do you think that he'll eventually have, like, a buddy cop comedy movie or something like that? Um, I think... I don't think his English is good enough yet i think that's definitely going to be a necessary part of it Mm. it's tough to see right now i mean the sequel to the protector is supposed to come out this year and we'll see what comes of that but definitely when you look at jackie chan and jet lee and jason Statham, they obviously palatable to an american market and that it's probably important. Yeah. What about, um, I think when we talk about, again, like you talked about language, like Tony Job might have a, a problem communicating to American audiences, which is true because American audiences are definitely, or American movies are definitely more dialogue-based than a lot of other countries. I think, um, I think Bruce Lee had a tremendous crossover appeal. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of the last one that I have on my list of, of different martial arts stars. He was very fluent in English and uh, could communicate very well. And like, I mean, have you, have you seen Enter the Dragon? Of course. And that's a great, that's a great martial arts movie because it's very clearly aimed at an American audience. It's not dubbed over for you know as an afterthought. It's very much was made with American audiences in mind. And his his he's actually very similar to Tony Jaa in a lot of ways because his is about athleticism. It's not necessarily about comedy or what. His is very much clearly like, you want to see what he can do. Yeah. When I think of Bruce Lee, I think of very, very focused on the martial arts themselves, really, if that makes sense. Yeah, and even the stories of the movies are based on martial arts. Like they talk, they, the whole point of the movie is is um, communicating what the discipline of martial arts, not just the fights, but like the the, the theory behind it, like the myth of martial arts. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. It's very much about, you know, like the discipline that goes into martial arts and, you know, why they're trained in the way they are. All right, so if we could wrap up, name your favorite or name a few of your favorite martial arts movies and then maybe a few of your fa- your least favorite. And oh, why? So I'll start with least favorites. And um, I want to include the probably lesser known, or I don't know how well known it is, really, uh, The Forbidden Kingdom. There was a lot of expectations going into this movie, being the first movie co-starring both Jackie Chan and Jet Li. And it was really disappointing because it wasn't really even focused on them, and it was more of a um, sci-fi, wire-work type movie rather than focusing on them. I think they were trying to train some white kid to fight. Yeah, no, they were definitely trying to, like, um, kind of give the rub to other people so that, you know, some of their star power will, will rub off on some new guy and use whatever they have left to give this kid kind of a boost. But, I mean, yeah, that was definitely a, a movie aimed at American audiences, too, because you had the, the white kid, the nerdy white kid that was there to, to learn from them. And I think it's too bad that it waited this long until they could do a movie together because they're both, they're still in great shape, I mean, but they're both pretty old by now. And if they yeah. would have teamed up in the 90s or something, that would have been something else altogether. Yeah, that would have been something. So when you finally get it and it ends up being a disappointment, that kind of, uh, yeah, yeah no, it sticks it, with you. It makes me think of um, of The One, which we both like. 
Mm-hmm. Jet Li's the one. And uh, in the end, you know, he ends up fighting himself. Like, <laughs> And I think that's kind of, it's kind of interesting because it's like there's nobody else that he could fight at that point that was on his level except another version of him. <laughs> and I think it would have been cool if it could have been Jackie Chan in some way written in there so he could fight Jackie Chan. But I guess it wouldn't have been the same movie. But yeah. that's too bad. I don't know. What are, what are your favorites, then? Oh, I definitely want to put Who Am I, especially for that roof fight scene. Definitely something to see. As well as, say, oh, Mr. Nice Guy, definitely. I think that was one of the first Jackie Chan movies that I saw, and I think it's firmly part of the Code Red Net canon. Oh, yes. It's one of our favorites. I think we, don't even re- we haven't reviewed it yet, but we definitely should do something with it because I mean I've seen it I probably don't need to see it to review it I mean I've seen it enough times but I think you're right I think you mentioned it's it's canonical I think when I think of Jackie Chan movies whether or not it's not his first one clearly it was like kind of later in his career but everything else after that I compare it to you know it's kind of like the base and everything else tries to measure up to it. It's not the best Jackie Chan movie, I don't think, but I think it's the one that most clearly um, you can look at it and you can say that's what the Jackie Chan movie, the style is, and everything else, is kind of, if you watch it, you can look for deviations from it or if it stays true to it or not. Yeah, I mean, I do like the roles where Jackie is playing just a regular guy and not a super cop. This particular movie, he was a chef, yeah, no, and I, I I like that one too. That would definitely be on my best list. I would throw Who Am I on there too. I like um I like First Strike as well. It's a little goofier, but I I kind of enjoy the goofiness of it. Like there's something to be said for that. It's kind of charmingly stupid. Um, same with Gorgeous, definitely. Oh, Gorgeous, Gorgeous has some. Gorgeous is really cheesy. I think that has some really great fight scenes as well. And in a way, they're different from a lot of Jackie Chan's fight scenes because they're far more athletic than some of his other stuff. Like some of the ones he fights that MMA fighter, that kind of like kickboxer. And those mm-hmm. fights are way, they're not really for comedy. Like they're just a fight between two guys. And in a way, that's different from the usual for Jackie Chan. And I, I like that one too. I like, um, I'll tell you what I don't like. I don't like Medallion. Mm-hmm. Um, we've written about this on the blog before. I wrote a review of it. You can check it out on the blog. But it's, Kind of the it's like the antithesis of what I want to see from Jackie Chan. Again, you know they they give him so many wire works and special effects that I think it just dilutes what he is capable of, and you're wasting his talents on something like that. That is definitely my least favorite, and I think that talking about our least favorite is a great way to go out <laughs> and finish the podcast. Um, it's much easier to be negative than positive. So um, true. Um, but that is it for us on the podcast. Don't forget you can. Check out all of our old podcasts, including uh, my personal favorite, the one about the AI bot. Um, that's at coderednetcrnpodcast.podbean.com. Uh, the blog is up, coderednet.blogspot.com. You got Facebook, facebook.com slash coderednet, and Twitter at coderednet. And that's it. Thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you. Yeah, go home.